You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting, the best in paranormal talk, only on Paranormal Experience Radio, broadcasting live out of Birmingham, Alabama. for an adventure into the paranormal world with host Shelley Robertson and 187PI Research Team. Ghost Talk is broadcasting live from Ohio's most haunted jail. Listen as they delve into the history of the old and haunted Paulding County Jail, where some of the residents still live within its walls. Learn about their ongoing research at the jail and abroad, investigation techniques, and their personal encounters. Here is your host of Ghost Talk and 187 PI founder, Shelly Robertson. Welcome to Ghost Talk Radio. We have a fantastic and interesting show planned for you tonight. And we're coming to you live from the haunted old Pauline County Jail. Make sure y'all come to the chat room at wbhm-db.com where you can join in the interactive chat and if you have questions or want to tell us an experience you have you can do that tonight here in the old sheriff's office i have kristen boyd with me and we will be discussing a super interesting topic which is haunted and cursed items Hello, Kristen. Hey, everyone. First, I tell you what, let's just dig right in and get to what a cursed item is, how it becomes cursed. Now, a cursed object, it's an object that had its own energy removed, and in its place, it's been given a disruptive energy field instead. Now, the person cursing the object is not able to do it of their own personal power. Instead, they would have to be possessed themselves or intentionally inviting a possession to occur through uh, such things like a ritual. And that gives the entity permission to do so, to curse the item. Now, for cursed objects to be um, truly dangerous, okay? It must contain an energy field that is capable of causing destruction by its very presence, which is why when someone comes across such an item, that just touching it or bringing it into your home can cause so many problems. The energy field of your home or the person who touches it begins to change it and serious damage from one or more sources within the object is usually the result. Now, the problem with cursed objects is that the objects are not alive. Instead, they are solid material objects, meaning they cannot be healed or uncursed very easily. It's better just to contain or remove the object from one's home. So, Kristen, let's just talk about some of these cursed items. Now, it's it such a great topic. It is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Now, I've come across a painting, <clears throat> yes. and it's called The Hands That Resist Him. 
So this painting could be considered both haunted and cursed. Oh, double whammy. Double whammy on that one. And with the strange stories that surrounds it and the people who have owned it and come in contact with it. Now, this painting was created by Bill Stoneham and is stated to be based off a uh, a photo of his childhood. Okay. Now, it depicts a boy with a creepy doll standing next to him in front of a glass door. And on the panels of the door, there there are several sets of hands. Now, the painting was created in 1972 and was originally purchased by the actor John Marley. Oh, interesting. Right? And it stated that the figures of the painting would actually enter the room where the painting was hung, and everyone who had viewed the painting reported feeling sick in a week. So it caused people to be ill. To be ill. Mm. Well, eventually, a couple from California, they bought the painting from an old brewery and decided to list it on eBay. Now, they actually did warn potential buyers that the children and creepy hands in the background of the painting had a tendency to move on their own. But it still ended up selling for $1,025. So, you know, they bought it probably just to see. Oh, yeah. And they paid whatever. I I would probably do that myself. Uh Uh-huh. Well, it was stated that the last owners to have it, who was the owner of an art gallery, and the Los Angeles Times critic who reviewed the show that the painting was hung for, both died within a year of laying eyes on that painting. Just looking at it. Just looking at it. So... When you think about a painting that could be cursed in such a way that can cause death. Just by looking at it. I know. I would like to see it, but then do you really want to see it? Yeah, I think uh, at that point I would just look at the pictures online. And and would those have an effect, (laughs) I'm wondering, you know? Sometimes. Sometimes they do. They do. Um, I'll tell you what. Then there's this vase. It's called the Bassano vase. And... And this vase, it is believed to have been made in Italy around the 15th century. It vanished for a very long time before being discovered again in 1988, along with a note saying, beware, this vase brings death. Now, the vase was auctioned off, and the new and unfortunate owner of it died within a few short months after bringing it home. Yeah, right. This happened a few more times with several different owners before the Italian police decided to put an end to the mysterious death surrounding it. And they buried the vase in a secret location where, you know, it is still today. No one knows where it's at. So that must be pretty powerful if the actual police took it. That's what I think. (laughs) If the police took it and buried it. Yes. Fascinating. Crazy. Now, another interesting item is the conjure chest. Oh, that sounds interesting already. Well, it's an empire-style mahogany veneer chest of drawers, and it is very, very much cursed. Mm. Now, Jacob Cooley was a plantation owner near Frankfort, Kentucky, and he requested one of his servants, Hosea, to build a chest of drawers for his first child. Okay. Well, Hosea was known. He was one of the best craftsmen of furniture in the state. But, however, Jacob was unhappy with the quality of the chest, and he ended up beating him to death. Oh, that's drastic. That's, oh, my that's goodness. Over that. Yeah, drastic. Well, the other servants Jacob had, they weren't very pleased 
with that. And uh, one of them ended up being a conjure man who remembered and practiced the ways of his people from across the seas. Oh, wow. Well, one night, the servants all gathered together and they placed a curse on the chest that would include the death to all of Jacob's future generations. Wow. People that didn't even have anything to do with it. Nothing to do with it. And ultimately, the curse is said to have resulted in a total of 16 deaths throughout the history of the Cooley family. That's just unbelievable. But at last, one of the descendants of the Cooley family donated the chest in 1976 to the Kentucky History Museum in Frankfurt. And they have kept the chest in storage along with placing a talisman against the curse, which is a handful of owl feathers within one of its drawers. It remains in storage at the museum until this day. So they don't have it on display? Not on display. Oh, my gosh. So they're even believing. A little scared of it, it sounds like. Exactly. And for all you guys listening tonight, we are live at the Old Paulding Jail. And so every now and again, you may hear some traffic because the jail sits near the downtown. So we apologize if there's some hot rodders out there tonight. It is Friday. Friday night. Yeah. I'm forgetting what day of the week it is. Isn't that something? Okay. So everyone, you all have heard that limestone is a conductor of sorts for paranormal activity. Okay. So there is a statue called the woman from the limb statue. Now the woman from the limb statue is carved from pure limestone and it was discovered in 1878 in Lamb. Cyprus. But this statue dates back to 3500 BC. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's a long, long time ago. And it's uh, nicknamed the goddess of death. Now, this statue was first owned by Lord Elpont. And within the six years of it in his possession, all seven of his family members died from mysterious death. Now, the next two owners and their families who who um, owned, owned the statue also. They all perished within a few short years after taking the statue into their homes. The fourth owner, along with his wife and two da- daughters, died as well. Now, there were two sons remaining from this fourth owner, and even though they did not believe much in the occult, they wanted to take no chance with the statue and the tragic death that seemed to surround it, so they donated it to the Royal um, Scottish Museum in Edinburgh, and it still remains there on display today. Now, I can't blame them for wanting to get rid of that. Yeah, it killed everyone. I would hand <laughs> it to anybody. <laughs> now, I'll tell you what, though. The deaths did not stop with the fourth family, however. Um, shortly after the item was placed in the museum, the chief of the uh, section where the statue dwelled he suddenly died as well, and no one has handled the statue since, and it's within a glass case to protect people from touching it and possibly restoring the curse that came with it. So it's, I guess, pretty powerful. It sounds like it. I don't think I want to be around that one. I mean, I might look, but definitely yeah. not touch it. Yeah, no. yeah. Well, here's another pretty famous one called the Chair of Death. Oh. So in 1702, a convicted murderer, Thomas Busby, was about to be hanged for his crimes 
and his last request was to have his last meal served at his favorite pub in Thrisk, England. Oh. So when he finished his meal, it is said that he stood up and said, May sudden death come to anyone who dares sit in my chair. Huh. Well, unbelievably, the chair actually remained within the pub for centuries. Centuries. And in that time, many tragic deaths came about from that cursed chair. Oh, boy. At first, the locals, they began to notice that the soldiers that had sat within the chair never returned from the war. And then in 1967, two Royal Air Force pilots sat in the chair only to crash their truck into a tree shortly after they left. Wow. Then in 1970, a Mason tested his fate only to die that afternoon by falling into a hole at his job site. And just a short year later, a roofer died the same day after sitting within that very chair when the roof he was working on collapsed. Wow. Now, the death toll only continues from there. Uh, Finally, the pub owner, he placed the chair within the basement in hopes the curse would stop, but unfortunately, it claimed yet another victim. (laughs) Oh, geez, even after he hit it in the basement, yeah. (laughs) So it just so happens a delivery man decided to take a quick break and sat in the chair in the basement and ended up being killed in a car accident that very same day. Oh, my gosh. So in 1972, the pub owner decided to finally donate the chair to the local museum. And with hearing about the local lores and deaths that surrounded the chair, the museum was very wise and took no chances of anyone being able to make that mistake again. And they hung it five feet in the air. And the chair is still on display five feet in the air. For curious onlookers to take a look so, at. So, yeah, you can look, but there's no way you're going to have to sit down in it. Right. <laughs> well, that's kind of pretty smart because if it is indeed cursed. Nope. Now, here's another kind of uh, a famous cursed uh, person, the story with the person. It's uh, the James Dean car. Now, everybody knows who James Dean was yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Well, he had this uh, 1955 Porsche Spider that he named Little Bastard. Now he adored this car. And even though he loved this car and all its power, he was warned by um, Sir Alec Guinness that the car itself was evil. And he claimed that if you get in that car, you'll be found dead in it by this time next week. That's what he told James Dean. Unfortunately, James Dean did not listen, and indeed he was dead by the very next week. The curse itself did not stop there. When the mechanics tried to repair the wrecked car, it fell onto them, crushing both their legs. It was, uh, after that point, it was then sold to a new owner who parted out the pieces of the car, and the engine and drivetrain were sold to two different racers. One of the racers lost control of his car, hitting a tree, and died on impact. Oh, my gosh. And then the other one was injured when his car locked up and rolled over. Talk about bad luck. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) And, you know, it didn't stop there. Two thieves who tried to take pieces off that car, they were both injured in the process. Now, after all this, the car was donated to a safety exhibit uh, out of California for the Highway Patrol. And during the first showing, 
the exhibit caught fire. During the second, the car fell on top of a student breaking his hip and even managed to crush and kill the driver who was transporting the car. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah, right? Now, ironic as it may seem, after all these incidents, the car simply vanished. No one knows what happened to it or where it might be. And that still remains a mystery to this day, if you can believe that. I do find that kind of crazy that a car just up and disappeared completely. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing surrounding that car is nuts. A little waggly. Mm-hmm. So, okay, the next cursed, not really item, it is more of a human Oh. called the Iceman. And this is kind of uh, recently, so you may recall hearing about it on TV. Okay. But the mummy of Otzi, a.k.a. the Iceman, was discovered in the Alps of Italy in 1991. All right. Now, it's believed he lived around 3000 B.C., and his body was preserved by a glacier that surrounded him after he died of exposure to the elements. After he was unearthed, the people linked to his discovery began to die, more often in violent accidents. There were a total of seven deaths. Some of these include the forensic pathologist who died in a horrific car accident on his way to give a speech about the Iceman himself. Wow. The mountaineer who died in an avalanche, and the hiker who discovered him and his wife died after falling off a dangerous path while on another hiking adventure. Holy smokes. Well, that brings us kind of to some other things that... uh, are on this line, but just a little different, and that's the Maori warrior masks. Now, there's a museum in Maori, uh, New Zealand, that warns women to stay away from several sacred Maori artifacts, especially their warrior masks. They say they could invoke a curse when they come in contact with a woman, especially an expecting mother. Unfortunate events such as miscarriages and even death have been known to occur when in contact with the cursed masks. <clears throat> and pretty terrible curse, actually. It is. And, you know, that brings us to not just masks. There's this painting, and it's the Crying Boy painting, and it was popular in the 1950s. And it was a reproduction of the Verno Amadeus, the crying boy. It is believed to cause fire, thanks to um, an article from the tabloid The Sun from September 4th, 1985. The picture of the mournful child is said to have been the only item left untouched when this house and everything in it burnt down. A local firefighter... um, said that there were additional fires that had taken place and the only thing left untouched was the reproductions of these paintings, The Crying Boy. Needless to say, the popularity of this reproduction picture began to fade when the word got out on all the fires and everything burnt down. And I'll tell you what, everybody, with that, we are going to take a short break. And we'll be right back with more Ghost Talk. You are listening to WBHM Digital Broadcasting out of Birmingham, Alabama.
You are listening to WPHM Digital Broadcasting. The best in paranormal talk radio. Welcome back to Ghost Talk Radio with me as your host, Shelly Robertson, and joining me is Kristen Boyd. If you just turned in, we invite you all to join us in chat at wbhm-db.com, where you can ask us any questions you may have. We have been discussing haunted and cursed objects. If you missed the first part of the show, no worries. You can catch the show archive on Spreaker. Google Play, and iTunes at your leisure. Now, before the break, we were discussing haunted objects, and oh my goodness, there are just tons of them, and, you know, there are many, and and so that brings us to some some, um, other haunted items. This was the cursed ones we were talking about, and there are just... So many, many haunted objects. Now, haunted objects, they absorb the energy of their previous owners. The objects can be anything that person used to use a lot or something that someone treasured personally. But the most common item found to be haunted includes like dolls, jewelry, antiques, bed frames, and headboards mirrors, clothing, especially gowns, and chairs. Now, the items absorb energy from their owners due to the people having a great deal of contact with the object. The contact with the object can also capture the image of that person creating it to become haunted. Now, an untimely death can also give the energy to charge the object. Many of these items remain dormant until there is a change within the environment. And this usually means that either a new owner takes it to a new home or the item may already be in a home that someone recently moved into. Now, the change in this energy can activate that object. Kristen, I know that you have a haunted object in mind for us. How about you tell us a little bit about it? Well, I will. I'm sure many of you have heard of Robert the doll. Oh, yes. Well, in 1896, this doll belonged to Robert Eugene Otto from Key West, Florida. And the story goes that the doll had been given to Robert by a servant who practiced black magic and who actually greatly disliked the boys' family. Uh Now, Robert himself, he loved his doll. But the other servants in the house, they became a little concerned and swore that they heard phantom voices talking back to the boy when he played with this doll. Oh, wow. Now, neighbors have even claimed that they had seen the doll moving from window to window when the family was gone. Now, that would be super creepy. That would be different. Yes. (laughs) Well, Robert grew up, and he inherited the house and eventually passed in 1972, which then the home was purchased by another family. Okay. 
the new owners had a little girl and this little girl found the doll in the attic and she was instantly afraid of it and she claimed that the doll was alive and wanted to kill her oh drastic yes and eventually the doll ended up in a museum at key west where it actually still remains on display today great so the visitors they're told that they must ask permission from the doll to take pictures of it now if they do not it is said that robert will curse them wow in the museum itself they display the letters from these cursed people who have written an apology to robert for not asking permission to take his picture and asking to be released from his spell. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know, that's just amazing, isn't it? It is. And there is another, let's say, a painting. And this is a another cursed item. And, and next we're going to get to the, the haunted items. But this next cursed item is the Anguished Man painting. Now, there's this guy, Sean Robinson, and he had a grandmother who kept this painted, this painting um, hidden within her attic for 25 years before he inherited it from her. Now, his grandmother always warned him that the painting was evil, going further into explaining that the artist that created this painting used his very own blood mixed within the paint, then killed him short, himself shortly after he completed it. Now, I think that is just kind of gruesome. It is quite to, gruesome. To make a painting out of your own blood. Now, she claimed that she heard voices and crying when the painting was on display. She also stated that she would see a shadow figure of a man in her house, which is when she decided to lock it away within the attic. Now, as soon as Sean took the painting to his home, he and his family began to experience the same types of phenomenon that his grandmother had described. So, first his son fell down the stairs, then his wife felt someone stroke her hair, and they were all seeing a shadow figure of a man and began hearing the sounds of someone quite crying, so Sean, being frightened, placed the, paint, the painting within the basement where it still resides to this day. Now, well, I don't blame him. I probably would just get rid of it. Yes, yes. Okay, so so next I'm excited. There are just, there's so many cursed items, and, and they're all over the world, you know. Oh, yes. We have only just been able to barely scratch the surface on these, and especially... When you get into some of the southern states and maybe some of the other countries, there's a, just a magnitude of them. Yes. And now I want to get into some of the actual haunted objects that we that I was talking about just a few minutes ago. So what have you got for us, Kristen, on some of these haunted objects? Well, it's said that the Myrtles Plantation is one of the most haunted places in the world, but the most haunted item within this plantation itself is a mirror that was added to the home in 1980. Wow. Well, the legend states that the mirror contains the spirits of Sarah Woodruff and her children who were poisoned by a slave named Chloe. Huh. Now, Chloe was said to have baked an oleander lace cake that poisoned three members of the family. And she was a young slave girl that had been favored by the plantation's master and had ended up being given some of the easier tasks. Well, she became afraid that their ma her master would become bored with her and place her back in the fields. 
So she devised a plan to make his wife and two daughters ill and then heal him back to health, making him believe she was worthy to stay inside. Oh, so she would be the hero. Right. I get it. Well, unfortunately, her plan did not work out. Uh-oh. She had placed too much of the oleander within the cake and ultimately poisoned Sarah and her two daughters to death. Oh, tragic. Chloe herself ended up being murdered by other slaves on the plantation for this act. Oh, boy. Now, folklore states that when a person dies, that all mirrors within the house must be covered so that their spirits do not get lost or trapped within them. Right. They said that many, many, many times. Yes. Mm-hmm. And her husband is said to actually have missed one of the mirrors within the home, which is now said to harbor the spirits of Sarah and her daughters. Oh, boy. Now, guests have actually reported seeing figures lurking in the mirror and child-sized handprints have been witnessed on the glass itself. And that's funny that they, they mentioned that the small handprints because this mirror that we have built here in this sheriff's office, in this front room, we've had tiny handprints show up along the bottom of this really? mirror before, yes. And it's a little creepy. It is, and we left it, and a couple of next times that we come up, there'd be more. Wow. So I finally washed them all off. And we don't have any more yet. Right. Now that we're talking about it, we may come back next time. Yeah, but that whole bottom of that mirror that's in this room here was covered with this tiny little handprint. I'll have to watch for that. Oh, next we're going to talk about the screaming skull of Burton Agnes Hall. Now, skulls, you know, I'm so interested in skulls. your favorite. (laughs) Right. Um... Within the village of Burton Agnes, England, the Burton Agnes Hall is the residence to a haunted object known as the Screaming Skull. It is said that this skull belonged to Catherine Ann Griffith, who died within the home in 1620 after being brutally attacked by bullies near St. John's Well. Okay, well, before she passed, she made her sister promise to keep a part of her within their beautiful home. And so the sisters, you know, they did what she wanted. It was then that someone attempted, not once, but multiple times to remove her skull from the home. But it is said that uh, whenever someone did try or attempt to remove the skull from the home, a terrifying ghost would walk in making a tremendous noise or screaming and um, it would make a huge ruckus, scaring the life out of everyone who was present. So, obviously, that must have been her. <laughs> I was not happy. That's right. And needless to say, the skull still remains within the home today. And it is said to be buried within one of the walls, possibly the wall of the Great Hall. So, she may continue to look over everything within her beautiful home. It's kind of creepy to think that maybe you own a home with a skull in in the wall, <laughs> and if you try to remove it, <laughs> that would be horrible. Yes. Well, next is the Belcourt Castle chairs. Oh. Chairs. So, a former cottage located in Newport, Rhode Island, the Belcourt Castle has a ballroom that is well known for its paranormal activity. The center of this activity stems around the chairs themselves. Oh, awesome. Now, guests have stated they felt chills race up and down their spine while standing near those chairs. 
and others have reported strange sensations, energy-like, running across their hands, while yet others have even been pushed out of the chairs by unseen forces. Huh. So that'd be like, we've had our chairs. Oh, they've been moved. While we were sitting in them and yeah. bumped and everything. Yeah, yes, so, so we can we can sympathize with this. Now, the next thing that's up here, we have this um, haunted poster board. A poster board. I know. <laughs> <laughs> in this small village of Freetown, Massachusetts, a man named Belzano, he was researching deep woods occult activity. So he's just asking for trouble. Oh, yeah. Um, he contacted the local police department, and an investigator agreed to loan him police files and a poster board from the 1970s. Now, on this poster board was a, um, a teenager had inscribed um, the Lord's Prayer, but he written it backwards in his own blood as part of some bloody desecration of the town's nativity scene, okay? That's so pretty gruesome. Yeah, I, I mean, that's even kind of morbid almost, you know? Mm -hmm. And Belzano soon realized that he could not keep the poster board hidden. No matter how many times he put and even locked it away, it would appear in random places throughout his home. Now, several times it even appeared with a knife through it. Wow. <laughs> it would be like... I mean, it'd be hard to be scared of a poster board. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but a knife stabbing through yeah. it when he saw it. Now, <laughs> when he attempted to stash it under his bed, his wife would end up having terrible nightmares. Now, when he and his family decided to move, the poster board showed up one day sitting on top of some of the moving boxes. Finally, he decided it was time to mail it back to the investigator where an even stranger event took place. The investigator called Balzano and said that the poster board never showed up. Bewildering as it may seem, um, the poster board has never turned up back at the police station. And it leaves them both wondering what the heck ever happened to it. You know, everybody be on the lookout. For a haunted poster board. poster board. If you get it in the mail, look out. Well... A poster board sounds a little strange. Yes. But there's also a haunted filing cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, so this woman named Alice was out garage selling when she came across an old, ugly filing cabinet <laughs> for five bucks. Okay, that's a, that's a bargain. That's a bargain. And uh, she didn't need one, but she decided to purchase it anyways. Okay. So she loaded it up and started to drive home when her car stalled and wouldn't start. She called her husband, he came, loaded up on his truck, and they were getting ready to leave, and then his truck wouldn't start. Oh my goodness. Well, eventually they both got home, unloaded the cabin to the house. And it was soon after that, Alice began having weird, repetitive dreams about a 60s vintage Donna Reed look-alike who was trying to start up conversations with her in her very kitchen. <laughs> well, then she started seeing the woman in the house when she was awake. This woman soon led Alice to the filing cabinet where she found a New York birth certificate for a woman simply named Elle, who was born in 1941. Oh, interesting. So Alice, she took the birth certificate, went back to the house where she bought the cabinet, but the frightened owner said the cabinet had come with the home and they knew nothing about it. 
Uh -huh. So evidently it was uh, scaring them as well. Right. They just wanted to get rid of it. And they don't want to more <laughs> to do with it. Well, let's see. Alice spent the following few weeks attempting to identify the woman by using online tactics, but to no avail. Sleepless and frustrated, she finally screamed, Elle, if you want to tell me something, help me. Well, that very night, the fire alarm went off, and she awoke to the birth certificate burning in the kitchen sink. Oh, amazing. And it was after that she never seen Elle again, and all the odd occurrences stopped. Holy smokes. <laughs> then we got this haunted book. And in O'California, er, uh, O'California, <laughs> what am I even thinking? Ocala, Florida, uh, there's this haunted inn called the Scott House. And it is here that a TV ghost hunting crew visited. And in the room... That had once belonged to Elizabeth Scott. The crew found a 19 or an 1893 copy of a Sir Walter Scott classic poem, The Lady of the Lake. Now, this book was the only original item left on this, you know, in the Scott estate. And with that, folks. We will continue after this short break. You are listening to Ghost Talk Radio on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. Radio live on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. I'm your host, Shelly Robertson, and joining me tonight is Kristen Boyd. Now, we have been broadcasting live 
from the old Paulding County Jail here in Paulding, Ohio. We've been discussing haunted and cursed items this evening. And if you missed the first part of the show, you can always listen to our show archives at your leisure on Spreaker, Google Play, and iTunes. And we will post the archive links on our Ghost Talk Radio Facebook page. You can follow us there just by going to Facebook and type in the search feature, Ghost Talk Radio, and we will pop right up. Now, before the break, (coughs) I was tongue-tied, and we were talking about this haunted book in Ocala, Florida, and it was located at an inn, the Scots Inn. Now... It was an 1893 copy of Sir Walter Scott's classic poem, The Lady of the Lake. Okay, so that was before break, but I'm going to finish this off because it's a little interesting. This book was the only original item left of the Scott estate, okay? Now, as the crew moved into the attic two stories up from Elizabeth's room, they turned on a ceiling fan, and the book came flying off of it and hitting one of the crew members. Nancy, who was a lead investigator for that ghost hunting crew um, that was in the Scott's Inn at the time, she was hit with the book. Later, when the crew had returned home from their investigation, that was the, the ghost hunting crew that was there, Nancy was astonished to find that the book was within her luggage. Now, having kept the book, it now seems to find its way around many different places in her home. She's found it behind a wastebasket inside her china hutch and even just hanging out on the inside of the refrigerator. <laughs> what do you think about a book just popping around? Well, I like books, so I think I'd be okay with that. <laughs> so next is... A little more about Uncle Webb's tools. Oh, tools. So Uncle Webb was a Seattle contractor whose son Jimmy decided to follow in a different career path of teaching. Okay. Now Webb had willed his son all of his tools upon his passing, but due to an unsettling between him and his son, Jimmy's cousin Carl had ended up with his tools instead. Okay. Well, Carl, soon after inheriting his uncle's tools, began to realize strange things were occurring within his home. Now, at first, when he came home, the radio would come on, and it would be playing his uncle's favorite Beatles music. Well, then the tools themselves would start turning up in odd places. First, it was just a a single wrench sitting on his bed. Then, later, the contents of the whole toolbox were found spread out in a spiral formation. Oh, my gosh. That's like, uh, what's the, the magician's show? The Harry Potter show. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, then it got worse. Oh, boy. Carl began having nightmares, and he would dream that his uncle would hand him his tools and would point to the door, and when he'd wake up, the door to his room would be slightly ajar. Uh-oh. Well, finally, Carl got a little tired of all this, so he uh-huh. rounded up all of his uncle's tools and took them back to his cousin Jimmy, and it was then that all activity and nightmares finally ceased. So the father obviously did not want that Carl to have the tools. He wanted right. it for his son, even though they had a falling out. That's right. So that's kind of awesome. But here's one, you know, you always talk about, or people talk about, you know, seeing the lady in white or the ghost with the 
old-fashioned dress and, and all of this. So I'll, this happens to be Anna Baker's wedding dress. Now, she was the daughter of the rich and well-known Ellis Baker, who was over, you know, a big iron company. Anna had the misfortune of falling in love with an iron worker within her father's factory, so much so that she went out and had a wedding dress made. And unfortunately, when her father heard the news, he had the worker run out of town and forbid Anne to marry someone of a lower class, if you can believe that. Um, so she was like completely devastated. Anna spent the rest of her days holed up within her bedroom, heartbroken and alone. And when she passed away in 1914, her family's mansion was turned into a Baker Museum and Anna's dress was put on display. Since then, strange things started happening with this dress. People have reported strange voices, sounds, and movement coming from the vicinity of the dress. But the most common reports is that the dress is seen dancing slowly and tenderly within its sealed display box. Well, it's kind of sad, actually. It is, because she was hoping for the wedding. Devastating. Yes, yes. Well, next is about some bunk beds. Uh-oh. So, Anne and Debbie Tallman, I'm sorry, Alan and Debbie Tallman brought their two kids a bunk bed from a secondhand store in the 1980s. But little did they know of the events that would unfold around them after bringing this bed into their home. And that's funny because don't we all have some sort of used object and you just yes. never know what you're going to drag home with you. In fact, I have an antique bed. Oh. Old iron bed frame. There so, you go. Yeah. So as strange happenings have been happening? Nope, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, from the very first night, uh, it was clear to the family that something was wrong with the bed. Yes. First, their one son fell very ill, which was abnormal for him. Uh, evidently, he never got sick. Oh, okay. But then the radio on the nightstand next to the bed began to turn off and on on its own. And then the youngest daughter of the family began claiming to have seen a witch standing over her while she was resting on the bottom bunk. A witch. A witch. Oh. Well, doors would open and close, lights would turn on and off, and soon the entire family began hearing voices throughout their home. Wow. Nine months the family endured these events when they finally had had enough of it. And they had the bunk beds destroyed, and as soon as they did, all the strange activity and noises and hauntings stopped. And that is, you know, kind of ironic because... I have got several secondhand and used items in my house. Like when we bought our house, it was really old, so I wanted to fill it with antiques. Right. So all my furniture is like 100 plus years old. That's actually cool. Yeah, except for I, I think a new item is our bed. Our, our Everything else is like really old and we traveled all over to get these pieces right strange things has happened especially with our uh we have a a, a grand piano oh if you leave the door open from the keys you know there's a door that covers yeah. the keys every now and again the keys will get played and it's 
and it's loud and startling at times. Oh, so I try. I keep the door shut on it. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, right? That's pretty neat. Well, I tell you what, we've been talking about some fascinating haunted and cursed items tonight, and we've just barely scratched the surface because there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of things. And I gotta tell you. We got to leave everybody with one more haunted item. And it's probably, especially lately, is the most haunted item of all. Right. The most famous. Why don't you tell us about that one, Kristen? Well, if you've watched any of the, any of the Conjuring movies, you've probably seen the creepy doll named Annabelle. Absolutely. Well, she's actually based on a real, but a little less creepy-looking doll called Annabelle, which is actually on display at Ed and Lorraine Warren's Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut. But the funny thing of it is, the movie gets a little crazy. It does. Because Annabelle actually really looks like a Raggedy Ann doll. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not quite the little, what is it, glass-figured-looking doll that they have right. in the movies. Right, right. Well, the story of Annabelle's creepiness began back in 1970 after a woman bought her for her daughter. Yeah. Now, people soon started accusing the doll of random attacks and even attempting to strangle a family friend. Now, I'm not going to lie. Seeing a doll child try to strangle someone might make me laugh a little bit. <laughs> no matter and how like, bad. We might just go pick it off them and like... Come here, it's you. terrible as that may sound. Come here, you. <laughs> well, Ed and Lorraine Warren, they were investigating the criminal activities of the doll, and they actually concluded that she was possessed by an evil spirit. Okay. So they decided to take Annabelle to the museum, but their car's brakes and ste steering, they mysteriously refused to work until they sprinkled holy water on the back seat where Annabelle was sitting. Oh, so Ed kept the doll inside a glass box fortified with prayers. That probably didn't stop Annabelle from committing more problems, though. A boy and his girlfriend once had an accident on their way home after Ed sent them out of the museum for mocking Annabelle and banging on her box. Now, I, I saw the, the, some pictures. of I would, I would like to go see it in oh, person. But it's, it says a warning, I do believe, on the glass mm -hmm. case. Do not open, blah, 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 yep. you know? And it's just kind of rude for someone to go up and start banging on it, an item. Doesn't even, it's not even theirs. I think it's rude, period, some of the ways that people are disrespectful. And yes. sometimes, I mean, maybe they deserve being pushed around a little. I'm not going to say killed. Nobody oh, decides right, to right. die. For sure. They don't deserve to die, no, but maybe, no. you know, push them a little or trip yeah. them a little, straighten up, you know? Lock them back just a little now, bit. Now, I'm to tell you what. I want to take a moment here to talk a little bit about what we have going on here at the jail for the month of July. We have a lot of exciting things. And we have been working so hard on a bunch of projects um, here for the month of July, actually. July 14th, I want to let everyone know, it's a Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We will be celebrating John Paulding Days here in Paulding, Ohio. And with the help of Kim Sutton of the Paulding Historical Society, 
we will be giving historical tours of the building. The tickets are just five bucks with the proceeds going to help the restoration efforts of the jail. So anyone out there, if you're listening, stop by Saturday the 14th and see us. And we want to uh, extend a really big thanks to Kim Sutton, who's helped organize and uh, who's going to help with the tours. So everybody come see us now. The next item for July we have is the 20th and 21st. We have a Ghost Hunt Weekends ghost hunting event going on. Ghost Hunt Weekends is one of the largest paranormal event companies here in the United States with an office in the UK. Ghost Hunt Weekends is owned by Chad and Stacey Morin, and they put on and organize some fantastic events at some of the most haunted locations. So if you would like to attend a public ghost hunt here at the jail, just and you know, so you can gather some of your own paranormal evidence, just go to ghosthuntweekends.com and click on the old Podding jail and reserve your spot. The entire ghost hunting season, you know, the whole schedule is posted on there. Um, we also do allow private investigations here at the jail. And those are booked directly through us by going to 187pi.com and click on Investigate the Old Paulding Jail. Available dates are posted there on our website. July 29th, we have a very special event, and that is hosted by us. And it is the anniversary of the death and birth of Gary Murray. He was found hanged in the first floor cell block in 1998. Not only was it his death, but it's also the date of his birth. Gary communicates with us every year on this date, so we are going to celebrate his birthday and also hold an investigation. Tickets are limited for this event and include a barbecue dinner, birthday cake, and all-night investigation. You can find info to this event on our website at 187pi.com or our Facebook page. Go to Facebook and just type in 187pi and we'll pop right up. Also, for the month of July, our escape game running is called Sheriff Bodine Down and Dirty. <laughs> this theme is new for this year and it's a whole lot of fun. Puts a little spin on it since this is a jail. We are going to do the sheriff theme. Uh, sheriff Bodine kind of takes the law into his own hands around here. We do run the escape games out of the cell blocks here at the jail to help with the restoration efforts as we're trying to restore the building. They're fun. You should come and play and help a great cause. We're currently trying to raise the funds for the heating and cooling so yeah come and check them out they're a whole lot of fun you can they go are. to jailbreakcode9.com and that's the number nine that's where you can see the schedule and book your escape game sessions now i do also i want to thank everyone for taking time out of your busy schedule tonight and bearing with us during storms and, and different things that happened tonight and listening to our live broadcast. I want to thank Kat for being 
perseverance and, and getting our show out there. A big thanks to Kat Hobson. And I want to wish everyone out there a very wonderful evening and have a happy weekend. I want you to tune in to next time for more Ghost Talk with 187PI Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central here on WBHM Digital Broadcasting. Good night, everyone. Good night. WBHM Digital Broadcasting, the best paranormal talk only on Paranormal Experience Radio. Broadcasting live at Birmingham, Alabama.